H-E News, episode number three. You're listening to Health Empowerment News with Croft Woodruff. This week... Genetically modified organisms, how GMO foods affect your health, and what you can do about it. Welcome back to Health Empowerment News. My name is Andrew McGivern with Croft Woodruff again. And uh, how are you today, Andrew? I'm doing well. So today we're going to talk about genetically modified organisms and how they affect the food chain and how it gets into in our bodies and what the effects are. Well, I've heard this before, that animals are sensitive enough to detect when there is genetically modified components in their feed. In other words, feed animals such as uh, cattle have been known to walk right past a field of genetically modified corn to seek out corn that wasn't genetically modified. This came from Dr. Marcola's website, mercola.com, dated actually September the 5th. And he points out that he was contacted by this lady, Strilly Oppenheimer, who has indigenous African chickens. And she noticed that they were refusing to eat what they call here mealies in the chicken feed that they had bought from a large supplier. The lady was concerned that the birds may be ingesting genetically modified corn, so she had it tested. The result confirmed her suspicions. The maize had been genetically, or in this case, corn. Same difference. I don't know why they don't stick to one or the other. North America, it's corn. Over in Europe, they call it maize. In any case, the maize had been genetically engineered to produce proteins that are toxic to certain insects and weeds. And, of course, when asked about her chicken's refusal to eat their maize, this Oppenheimer said, they're smart. And the source from this, besides Dr. Mercola's website, mercola.com, there's other uh, websites, GM Watch, that was dated August 2nd, 2009. And of course, Dr. Mercola had commented that when animals refuse to eat their regular feed, it is sometimes a clear sign that something is wrong with the food. Animals, as opposed to humans, tend to have a sixth sense uh, about what is safe to eat and uh, what is not. In 2003, there was a report in the British Institute of Science on, in Society, rather, on their website, and they're stating that both experimental and anecdotal evidence shows animals seek to avoid genetically modified food and do not thrive if given no other choice. In this case, the chicken feed turned out to contain BT1, which is an insecticide, plus a built-in Roundup that makes it weed-resistant. And of course, if it's got Roundup in it, that means that the fine hand of Monsanto is involved here. So was Roundup actually genetically engineered to be in it, or was it... It's, uh, the corn, in this case, would be genetically engineered to contain... To, uh, to resist? Uh, or to resist, yes. To, to resist, resist the the, uh, uh, the herbicide that Roundup is. Because otherwise the corn would just uh, be poisoned uh, to death. 
by so-called Roundup-ready herbicide. And of course, Roundup isn't the only herbicide that has been designed to be incorporated into plants, that is, through genetic modification, so that those plants will withstand the toxic effect of the herbicide so that the farmer is able to really slather on the herbicide to get rid of the weeds, because that's the purpose of the herbicide, is to get rid of the weeds. That means uh, you don't have to do a lot of manual weeding or other methods of weed control that could be expensive. But the problem is, is that aside from the fact that now you have a crop that is genetically modified with a toxin contained within it that animals and certainly humans are going to be sensitive to, And on the other hand, what about the residues of the weed killer after the crop has been harvested? Because do they get all of that off of uh, the the end product, the corn in this case? I don't think so. So in any case, if genetically modified crops can harm animals, what are they doing to human beings? Genetically modified corn has found itself on the hot seat even late last year, after a highly reputable study commissioned by the Austrian Agency for Health and Food Safety discovered that mice-fed genetically modified corn had significantly smaller and fewer offspring compared to the control group. The lead author of the study stated that there was a direct link between the genetically modified diet and reduced fertility. Likewise, Jeffrey Smith, author of Seeds of Deception and Genetic Roulette, has documented 65 serious health risks from genetically modified products of all kinds. Among them, offspring of rats fed a genetically modified soy showed a five-fold increase in mortality, lower birth rates, and the inability to reproduce. Male mice fed genetically modified soy had damaged sperm. The embryo offspring of genetically modified soy-fed mice had altered DNA functioning. Several U.S. farmers reported sterility or fertility problems among their swine and their cows fed on genetically modified corn varieties. So the question is, what do these foods do to the human body? I strongly believe, and this is certainly uh, the opinion of Dr. Mercola, that genetically modified foods are a significant threat against the very sustainability of the human race. And that, this is a very, very serious point. The available research shows incriminating links between the side effects of genetically modified food and diseases that have skyrocketed since the release of genetically modified ingredients into the food supply such as autoimmune diseases and severe food allergies. Because I can remember in my lifetime, and I've been around uh, for quite a while, there was a time you never heard of anybody being allergic to soy protein, but now it's quite common. And, of course, other products have also that we've taken for granted have now turned out to be triggering allergy responses. Well, the fact is, is that genetically modified foods are flawed scientific dogma having run amok, totally out of control. The well-known scientist, Dr. Arpad Pushdai, 
is a British citizen, stated in an article just last year, and I quote, Reality really started to dawn on genetic scientists with the completion of the Human Genome Project, showing that the dogma of genetic determinism, the science basis of genetic engineering, was untrue, as the less than 30,000 genes could not possibly code for the about 200,000 cellular proteins. It was also realized that the about 97% non-gene junk DNA has a decisive role in the genome. Our primitive splicing techniques, together with our inability to direct the transgene into safe zones in the genome, if such zones exist at all, were shown to lead to insertional mutagenesis with unpredictable consequences. Although it's impossible to forecast in advance what these consequences for health and the environment will be, a few independent studies have already shown new anti-nutrients, toxins, and allergens were formed as byproducts of gene splicing and other mainly unpredictable immunity-related products also occurred. The industry still hangs on to the less costly but unscientific principle of substantial equivalence. That is, the near identity of the genetically engineered crop with its parent line as their main safety testing and only commission simple contract animal feed production studies as a last resort to support their cause, or case rather, of human animal safety. In fact, there are hardly more than over two dozens of published academic animal safety studies, and the results of only one human trial have been published, and even that was not a full clinical study. And uh, the citing is Neitherwood et al. in 2004. Dr. Pushdai's earlier research into the effects of genetically modified potatoes showed that rats suffered from weakened immune systems and stunted growth of their internal organs, including the liver, the kidneys, and the brain, on such a diet. There's also compelling evidence indicating genetically modified potatoes may cause cancer. As is frequently the case, Dr. Pushdai's disturbing findings of the human nutritional consequences of genetically modified foods cost him his job. The British Rowett Research Institute fired him in 1998 as the results had far-reaching implications for the biotech industry, which insisted that GM products would not have any adverse effects on human health. Well, this is what is known as, if you don't like the message, you kill the messenger. And this is what this so-called British Rowett Research Institute has done. I mean, what kind of science is that? It isn't science at all. It's something else. Some seem to believe that genetically modified animal feed will not cause any undue effects in the human body. This is flawed thinking at its worst. After all, we are part of the food chain. Those who believe that what they eat will not affect them simply do not understand the basics of how the human body works, how the digestive system even works. And there's an awful lot of people out there, and I have found this in my own personal experience, who have chronic digestive problems, 
and problems that tend to show up as they get older till uh, you know they're in real serious trouble and they put on all kinds of nostrums presumably to nullify the digestive juices they only suppress the symptoms they don't get rid of the problem so a very serious situation right there in any event the soil association a british environmental charity stated in their report gm crops the health effects that international research has found that milk, eggs, and meat from genetically modified fed animals still contain the foreign DNA originally inserted into the GM crop. So it doesn't go away. The authors concluded that, quote, there are very good scientific reasons for being concerned about the safety of GM crops. With the abundance of GM ingredients currently being used in processed foods of all kinds, you are likely exposed to far more GM DNA than you ever thought. Perhaps you might have seen the headline, The American Academy of Environmental Medicine Calls for Immediate Moratorium on Genetically Modified Foods. It is quite likely you didn't, but as recently as May 19, 2009, the American Academy for Environmental Medicine sent out a press advisory calling on physicians to, quote, educate their patients, the medical community, and the public to avoid genetically modified food when possible and provide educational materials concerning genetically modified food and health risks. They also advise that physicians should consider the role of GM foods, that is, genetically modified food, in their patients' disease processes. In their position paper, the Academy states that several animal studies indicate serious health risks associated with genetically modified food, including infertility, immune problems, accelerated aging, insulin regulation, changes in major organs, gastrointestinal changes and problems. And by the way, uh, there is an issue regarding genetically modified uh, insulin based on uh, insulin-producing genome from, uh, from a human source and incorporated into uh, yeast, and they call it Humalog. It has been problematic for some diabetics, far more perhaps than what medical science may be willing to admit. So this organization has advised doctors to warn their patients and has also called for a removal of GM products. Uh, yes, they have. I haven't heard any of this on the mainstream media. No, and, uh, and of course, unfortunately, we have a big problem, I think, with mainstream media. There's a lot of things that I notice that they should be reporting on, and they totally ignore. It's, it's really uh, sad commentary on so-called uh, freedom of the press, and obviously they're catering more to some of their advertisers rather than to the health and safety of their listeners. So if you suffer from any of these ailments that we have mentioned here, and if so, have you taken a long, hard look at what is in your diet? Because your problem could be caused by whatever you're eating. The American Academy of Environmental Medicine has concluded, quote, there is more than a causal relationship between GM foods and adverse health effects. There is causation as defined by recognized scientific criteria. The strength of association and consistency between GM food and disease is confirmed in several animal studies. Close quote. 
Shocking examples of harm caused by genetically modified crops. A study in the European Journal of Histochemistry reported that more than half the babies of mother's rats fed genetically modified soy died within three weeks compared to a 10% death rate among the control group that were fed natural soy. Since 2003, Indian farmers have been reporting deaths of thousands of sheep and other small livestock who graze on post-harvested fields. At no time before in India's history has cattle died from this practice. In 2006, more than 1,800 sheep died after grazing on post-harvested BT cotton corn crops in four Indian villages. The symptoms and post-mortem findings strongly suggest they died from severe toxicity, most likely from the Bacillus thuringiensis, so-called BT toxin, which is incorporated in the genetically modified crops. BT is a natural occurring toxic bacteria common in soils across the globe. Several strains can infect and kill insects. In a recent article, Jeffrey M. Smith describes how about two dozen U.S. farmers reported that thousands of pigs became sterile after consuming certain genetically modified corn varieties. Some had false pregnancies. Others gave birth to bags of water. While a bag of water is uh, perhaps a polite term for a water-filled cyst. Cows and bulls also became infertile when fed the same corn. Likewise, India has reported that buffalo that ate GM cottonseed had complications such as premature deliveries, spontaneous abortions, infertility, and prolapsed uteruses. Many of the offspring died. And of course, how many women may have had a spontaneous abortion because they ate baked goods that happened to be uh, containing cottonseed oil as a uh, shortening? Cottonseed oil. Yeah. And of course... Here they're talking about cotton seed itself as meal, I presume, but what is in the uh, seed may be in the oil, who knows. Which foods are most likely to be genetically modified, and how can you avoid them? Nearly all of these foods listed are genetically modified and therefore best to avoid. Soy, corn, cotton seed, and canola. So soybeans, corn seed, cotton seed, well, you know, cottonseed meal and the and canola, of course, which is a genetically modified rapeseed, all uh, modified to resist either the BT insecticide or else the Roundup herbicide. And, of course, you have to watch out because of the oils from these seeds that are being used in processed foods. Very difficult to get away, you know, to get away from, to be able to avoid, unless you were reading labels and put yourself, you know, on a very strict policing. And reading the label doesn't always help when... No, uh, it doesn't. And, of course, there's some good information uh, that we have here. A private member bill was uh, shot down by the, by the conservatives last year. Yes. I think it was Bill C-521, which yes. would have made all GMO products, mandatory labeling for anything that had a genetically modified organism in it. Of course, it would have raised the costs to industry, and that's probably why it was Oh, yeah, we can't, we can't cut into their profits, can we? 
So is this, uh, is this conservative philosophy, that is to say the philosophy of the Conservative Party of Canada, uh, that profits of industry take precedence over human health and safety? It also comes back to the same excuse they use, which is that it will confuse the consumer if they read genetically modified organism because they don't know what a genetically modified organism is. Or same thing down in the States when recombinant growth hormone was being promoted in milk. A number of states banned labeling that producers were providing bovine growth hormone free milk. And the same argument was used that it would confuse the consumer. Well, I'd rather know than not know. Yeah, of course, uh, what, uh, what the governments are telling us uh, is that we, the people, are stupid. And if that's what our politicians think of us, maybe it's about time we did something about these politicians. And if they can't understand the principles of the right to know and the, the right of informed consent, then maybe they better find themselves another job out there rather than being a representative in Parliament or, in the case of the United States, a representative of Congress. In any case, it would be wise to limit uh, products made from uh, these ingredients, that is soy, corn, cottonseed, and canola, such as vegetable oils, maltodextrin, and high-fructose corn syrup. And that's another point. High-fructose corn syrup is a real problem for, uh, for people who are insulin-sensitive, and it certainly can set off high glycemic episodes, evidently, and very problematic in the diet. Because corn and soy are so widely used in processed foods, at least 70% of the processed foods at your local supermarket can contain and probably do contain genetically modified ingredients and yet not listed on the label. So you're pretty well got 100% certainty that if there is soy, corn, cottonseed oil, canola oil in the uh, ingredients got a pretty well 99% chance that it's genetically modified. And that may not be the only thing if there's any protein from these factors, whether it's soy, corn, cottonseed, or canola. The protein itself is genetically modified, and so you're going to have that to contend with as well. And that, of course, means seven out of every ten products are likely to be containing genetically modified material. Other genetically modified products can include some varieties of zucchini, crookneck squash, and papaya from Hawaii. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, uh, zucchini, crookneck squash, papaya, I mean, these are valuable food. And to be fiddling around with them to the degree that they can actually be a threat to uh, those who eat such foods is absolutely diabolical and, and basically criminal to the extreme. How about the tomato? Well, that didn't go very far. That was the um, flavor saver tomato. It was genetically engineered to stay ripe and not rot, except that people didn't like the flavor and they avoided it. And they, I guess they, their palate was sensitive enough to tell them that uh, they didn't like them and they didn't go. And besides that, they were pricier than the regular uh, hothouse and field tomatoes on the market. But even then, I have a problem with hothouse tomatoes and any hothouse food because uh, are we looking at genetically modified? Theoretically, they shouldn't have to have herbicide resistance built into them or 
pests, uh, you know, insecticides built into them because they're in a greenhouse, a hothouse, where you control the environment and therefore you can uh, control uh, what insects can get in there that you want, like, say, uh, aphis eating uh, ladybugs, a very useful insect. And, of course, you know, I have a grandparents that had a greenhouse. I can remember quite well. My grandfather had quite an environment. He had one for you know, growing tomatoes uh, settings. And he had another one for desert cactus, of which he was a great collector of many varieties. And he managed to do that. Of course, he could do it. He was a boilermaker. <laughs> In any case, little anecdote there. Now, other GM or genetically modified organism products include some varieties of zucchini, crookneck squash, and papaya from Hawaii, Milk containing recombinant uh, bovine growth hormone. That was to make Bossy give more milk. And I can remember this Elizabeth Whalen, who is the head of some pseudo, what you call a astroturf consumer group, saying that with the recombinant bovine growth hormone, old Bossy can give more milk on less feed. Well, if old Bossy is forced to give more milk on less feed... That means old Bossy is going to have to give up something else, and that's probably her health and the strength of her bones because uh, what is in the milk is going to have to come from somewhere if it isn't coming from adequate feeding. This is absolutely criminal. And imagine this woman had a Ph.D. from Harvard in nutrition. She was a um, protege of the sugar professor, the late Frederick Stair, who actually was a medical doctor and who founded the Department of Nutrition at Harvard University. So much for universities. So if you avoid all the products that we have listed here, uh, unless they are certified organic, you know, it's best to stay away from them. And it's certainly one way to cut down on your intake of GM foods. Now, this is very important. Buying products that are certified organic or that say non-GMO are other ways you can limit your family's risk from genetically modified foods, as organic foods are not allowed to contain GM ingredients. And for me, I think the only way you're going to be able to tell GM foods is by their PLU sticker, unless you know the grower, you know, what else? Because if you're buying from a a marketplace in in a big city or out in the country, you know, uh, if they're not using uh, the... um, Price lookup number, the what do they call it? The PLU. A four-digit number means that the produce is conventionally grown. A five-digit number beginning, beginning with nine means it is organic. A five-digit number beginning with eight means it is genetically modified. Particularly in the United States, where GM products are not required to be labeled, And, of course, that's a problem in Canada, too, isn't it? Not Mm -hmm. required to be labeled. It can be difficult to eat a GM-free diet, but there are some resources available to help you. Dr. Mercola, on his website, recommends downloading the non-GMO shopping guide issued by the Institute for Responsible Technology. They also offer some helpful basic advice on how to avoid genetically modified organisms when eating in restaurants, well, that's, that's a good one. But I do notice that some restaurants are boasting that uh, they only use non-GMO ingredients 
in their uh, in their products and their food. So, in conclusion, remember to never underestimate the power of your pocketbook. If more of us begin to refuse genetically modified foods, the food manufacturers will have no choice but to listen. One thing is for sure, if we do not put a stop to the spread of genetically modified food, our future generations may be forever saddled with needless health problems. If you haven't yet taken the time to watch The Future of Food, please do so. It is a real eye-opener and perhaps one of the most important videos on the subject. And, of course, uh, that means uh, Mercola.com. You go to that website to check that out. Uh, there are related links, genetically modified foods, what to know before you eat them. Monsanto report sheds light on damaging foods. Uh, and this company may be the biggest threat to your future health. And, of course, Monsanto. And, of course, you will get that at Mercola.com. Just punch in genetically modified uh, foods. I haven't seen the future of food yet, but I'm going to make sure to watch that. I'll put up uh, a post in the show notes so that uh, listeners can can find that information direct. too. Good. Another great movie is Food Incorporated, and they go into great detail about Monsanto and how they've managed to, uh, first of all, patent living organisms, and that is how the soybean and other genetically modified foods have now become property of corporations. I seem to recall that recently there was a uh, high court decision, I'm not sure if it was in the United States or perhaps uh, in Europe, that in fact the court has ruled that uh, corporations do not have the right or intellectual property rights to uh, genomes, that is uh, living organisms, uh, genome. I believe that's the human genome, but I'm not too sure. Uh, Yeah. This is something that I think is a very important uh, issue to uh, follow up on. Uh, certainly, as far as I'm concerned, they should have no uh, patent rights to any genetically modified any living organi- thing, living organism. Exactly, sh- should not be patented. And Monsanto patented their Roundup-resistant soybean. Yes, and, and canola. Subsequently, ended up with ninety percent of the market in the United States for yeah. the soybean. And of course, that's that is against the antitrust laws. In fact, because it stifles competition, doesn't not, it? Not not only that. If you are a organic farmer or natural seed farmer, and you happen to be next to a Monsanto customer, how do you protect yourself? The wind blows the, the seed into your field, and then next thing you know, you've got. And people knocking on your door, charging you with patent infringement. Yeah, having stolen, in this case, Monsanto's Roundup-ready... Uh, intellectual property. Uh, intellectual and, uh, property. And then you find yourself in court. Well, that's what happened to hundreds Saskatchewan of thousands. farmer Percy Schmeiser. I mean, he ultimately won his case, but I mean, uh, what's, what's $600? I think that was what the amount was that he was compensated. Uh, certainly the rulings of the court, uh, they couldn't prove that he'd stolen Monsanto's... Roundup Ready canola. They uh, no way could they uh, prove that he had done anything illegal, and certainly his uh, his field showed that it was contaminated with Roundup Ready canola from a neighboring field that was upwind from his farm, because the entire crop was not Roundup Ready canola. Only part of it had Roundup Ready canola seed in it, which, of course, would result from 
the pollening, pollenizing from uh, Roundup Ready pollen drift from uh, a genetically modified crop uh, upwind. Well, whether or not you're found innocent or guilty of patent infringement, by the time you go through the court system and you've spent hundred, hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. you're basically forced to to settle with Monsanto and start using their product anyways. And that's yeah, what's happening this is all the across new, the uh, The new feudalism, the new indentureism uh, of, of the 21st century. And, uh, and, and I, I really have to laugh at uh, these politicians who talk about free enterprise, but uh, by allowing this very thing to happen, they, are, they have destroyed f- the right to free enterprise and, in fact, uh, are turning back the clock to serfdom, which is the very antithesis to free enterprise. You mentioned at the end of the, your Marcola article that the solution is to use our pocketbooks to vote, basically, to vote on the products that we want. And that's exactly what they said at the end of Food, Inc. And also there's, an, there's another good book called The End of Food, which was a, written by a Canadian author. I, I don't remember his name at the moment, but I'll post it on the show notes. And they say that they, they give you a list of solutions at the end of, of both the book and, and the Food, Inc. movie, which is... Start your own garden, no matter how small. Uh, if you have an apartment, a little garden on your balcony. If you have a, a backyard, grow as much as you can with heritage seeds and also buy organic and limit your consumption of you know, genetically modified and uh, pesticide, herbicide, uh, contaminated foods. Also, buy directly from the farm if you can, or face-to-face uh, transaction with the farmer instead of the major corporate uh, grocery store chains. Speaking of major corporate uh, grocery chains, uh, Safeway is one supermarket that is starting to stock organically grown fruit and vegetables, and since and they are so labeled. So uh, for people who live in a large uh, city where uh, you know their only access may be to a supermarket and the next block sort of thing. And Safeway might be one company to look out for. And I'm certainly sure that their competition will find it necessary to follow suit. So it pays to let your uh, local merchant know what your thoughts are on the subject and and what you want and uh, what you will buy or not buy. Now, the other thing, of course, is our politicians. If we have a Roundup Ready conservative government, I think that uh, we better be ready to uh, vote them out of office, like 100%. I think they should be given the same kind of uh, treatment that the Mulroney conservatives got way back when, when Mulroney stepped down and we had the first female prime minister, a conservative, lead the conservative party to defeat to the point of a majority of two in the House of Parliament. One of them is now the leader of the Liberal Party of Quebec and the Premier of Quebec. Our, uh, I can't remember his name offhand. I should. Uh, but um, And then there was uh, uh, a Nova Scotia Conservative that retired. And uh, it was only through the efforts of reform that the Conservative Party more or less came back together again. But the bottom line is that, uh, in my estimation, the Conservative Party is not worthy of Canadian support at the political level. The Conservative Party, through the, you mentioned the Reform Party, 
the existing consumer conservative party, if you compare their policies that they're enacting now compared to the blue book that the reform party initially had, you know, their grassroots political movement. It it's does, a betrayal. It uh, There's no comparison. Not they, they haven't initiated anything that was in that blue book and, and they're basically running the government the exact opposite as, yeah. as, as was portrayed in the blue book. Of course, it's a different party because of, you know, well, they, they 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 dropped reform and took on uh, the old conservative label without the progressive part. And of course, what does what did progressive conservative mean? You know, one step forward and two steps back. It's obviously that that's what we're saddled with with the government now. I really don't like to have to get into politics, but uh, obviously, it's for our own future that we recognize that uh, our politicians can sell us down the river. And I think it's important for people to. You know, the Liberal Party announced that they're not going to support the Conservative government, which will probably trigger a, a fall election. So we're going to the polls again. So more and more people are becoming disenfranchised with the whole uh, political system. Well, that's right, because we have to go now and talk to the Ignati of Liberals. And that includes Pierre Trudeau's oldest son, Justin. And uh, ask him, well, are you in favor of continuing on this path to uh, destruction of humanity by promoting uh, the use of genetically modified food, foods that are causing disease and illness among uh, the population and setting uh, future problems down the road with regard to genetics and, uh, and human health? Is that going to be liberal policy or... And further furthering the proposal of legislation such as Bill C-51, Bill C-52, which uh, passed in the form of Bill C-6. Mm-hmm. Total betrayal. Furthering our, the de- degradation of our, our liberty in Canada. Yeah. And our, our food supply and our health. All down, sold down the river. For what? You know, for these uh, huge corporations... And for those people who don't, who decide not to vote at all because of not seeing a valid alternative, I would say pick a party that is, if you're not going to vote, if you can't vote for any of the main parties, pick any party and vote because they get a little bit of funding from each vote. The Green Party or, or any, uh, any of the independent parties get funding when they get a vote. So it, it helps to bring up a voice. Uh, an right, alternative because voice, because when they have money, they have they have they can an advertise an opportunity to go on air uh, and uh, and get the, their point of view out that way. Uh, that's right. Is, but I noticed that this uh, this government, in a previous session of parliament, actually proposed to eliminate that law, which made provision for giving monetary grants to. Uh, Political parties in ratio to uh, their representation in the in the in the, uh, the vote that is cast. That's interesting because the Green Party actually, uh, with that money, was able to put out a, a pretty uh, visible campaign. Yes, so uh, there is a hope for parties like the Green Party. But my problem with the New Democrats, of course, is by their works you shall know them. And uh, what did the New Democrats do when they were in power? in Saskatchewan for the likes of Percy Schmeiser. And, and of course, there's a new Democrat government in Manitoba. What are they doing for, for the Percy Schmeisers of Manitoba? And certainly, we know what's going on in British Columbia with uh, 
this fish farming business, which is another pain in the butt. All right. So uh, that wraps up this uh, episode, unless you have anything else to say, Croft. I think we've said it all today. Thanks for listening to Health Empowerment News. We'll see you next week.